I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Introducing Barker and Stonehouse Garden Furniture. Find inspiration for your outdoor space with our stylish collections of garden furniture and accessories, now with up to 25% off. Visit one of our 11 nationwide stores or find us online at barkerandstonehouse.co.uk. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. Today we're visiting the spectacular 2019 RHS Chatsworth Flower Show which runs until the 9th of June. I'm Catherine Potsides, the Head of Shows Development for the RHS and we're here in the stunning grounds of Chatsworth House in the rolling green landscape of the Peak District in Derbyshire. I absolutely love this show and this year visitors are in for a real treat. First and foremost, we have a fantastic feature, The Power of Trees. It's an enchanted woodland setting with a tree walk where you can go and experience various different trees, some great for all different types of gardens. We've got a woodlands talk theatre where you can listen to various experts talk about trees and how to choose a great tree for your garden. We've got craft demonstrations, people working with wood and willow, and we've got a fantastic immersive virtual reality experience where you can wander through a wild meadow it's an amazing thing to see and uh, quite a different experience for anyone visiting our show this year as you're walking into the show you might notice a great tree that's a permanent part of this beautiful landscape and right next to that you can take part in some amazing tree listening activities listen to the sounds of the tree as it grows as it drinks water as it unfurls its latest leaf um, it's a fantastic thing to do and tree listening and forest bathing and relaxing in amongst the landscape is something we're really hoping visitors will enjoy this year as you enter the showground, you'll see an amazingly beautiful, bright pink field of dazzling dahlias. We have thousands and thousands of these, all set out in a beautiful parterre landscape. There's a few benches so you can take a seat and enjoy the sight of this beautiful plant. We've got lots of great garden inspiration for everyone to enjoy at the show this year. We've got some fantastic show gardens showing some really top quality design and inspiration for your garden. As well as this, we've got five mindfulness gardens. These are beautiful spaces and really demonstrate how gardening can be great for your health and well-being and how a design space with this in mind can really help you to relax and be at one with nature in your garden. And this can bring a huge benefit to your life and well-being. So, let's hear some of what is grabbing the attention of today's visitors. So I'm Alex Metcalf and I'm 
with the tree listening project. So 12 years ago, I decided that I wanted to listen to the inside of a tree. So I then designed this tree listening device, which is a very special microphone that allows us to hear what goes on behind the bark. We're standing near the river opposite Chatsworth House and uh, I've got five headphones hanging from this lime tree and people can come along, pick up the headphones, put them on and hear what's going on inside the tree. So there's actually two different sounds to distinguish between. There's a loud rumble sound which kind of sounds a little bit like a... <laughs> And that's the movement of the tree. But in the background, there's a very quiet, crackly popping sound, a little bit like Rice Krispies going. And that's the sound of the water mixing with air as it travels up through these little tiny xylem tubes just behind the bark. There's been lots of people here and they've been amazed. Just magical, I think their kind of perception of trees have changed because everyone looks at a tree and goes, wow, that's a really beautiful tree. But until you sort of think about and, and hear and understand about what goes on behind the bark, it's difficult to really imagine how alive they are. Just amazing what's going on inside a tree that you don't know about. So this kind of project allows you to appreciate trees and how active they are and how much is going on that we can't really see on a day-to-day -day basis. This is the, your only opportunity to come and listen to this lime tree here. I mean, I travel around the world, but I'm the only person that does this tree listening, and so it's a good opportunity for you to, if you live locally, to come and have a listen. I'm Angela and I'm from Aberdeenshire. Hi, I'm Joanna from Aberdeenshire as well. I'm just sitting on this beautiful bench overlooking a whole mass of dahlias which are, you know, varied colours from very pale pinks to deeper pinks and it is really spectacular. I'm looking straight down there and onto the water in front of us as well. It's a magnificent sight, absolutely magnificent. I love dahlias. Can't grow them and that's why I appreciate them more to, for everybody else that can grow them. I just love them. They're just such a happy plant. The petals, it's all like a great big ball of happiness. People should come to Chatsworth because it's a great day out. You see lots of things, learn lots of things, and it's just a beautiful place to be. Hi, I'm Simon Maybe. Uh, I've developed the virtuality installation at the OHS Flower Show. Virtual reality is creating 3D environments on the computer that you can then navigate around. And this year we've developed what we call a, a synthetic wildflower meadow. We start off on a tram, you see a butterfly floating down the train, you follow the butterfly and then we transition you from the tram into the wildflower meadow where you can then fly around the grasses and the flowers as if you're the size of an insect. And as you do, you'll see the butterflies fluttering around you, bees buzzing, and rabbits and foxes that will run away as you get close. You navigate through the wildflower meadow by turning your head. So if you look up, you'll go up. If you look down, you go down, and you can dip into the pond and see fish swimming or you can hover above the pond and see dragonflies flying and um, 
it's a unique experience that people should come and have a look at and have a go. My name is Sharon Hockenhall and I'm a garden designer. I have designed a garden called the RHS Garden for Wildlife um, and it is purely here to try and give inspiration to visitors to incorporate plants and habitats that will encourage as much wildlife as possible. It is uh, full of flowers. Currently we have the wildflower meadow which is full of pink ragged robin and the oxide daisy. It's been quite popular with uh, local bees. We've had a honey swarm come to the garden and settled in the hawthorn hedging and uh, they've just absolutely loved visiting the wildflower meadow. We have attracted quite a lot of wildlife actually. The swarm of bees I think is the biggest one that we've had. This morning I arrived to find two ducks uh, making themselves very happy in the pond. We have had the blue tit uh, has been visiting the, all the feeders and they like the beach hedge. We've also had damselflies in the pond, we've got pond skaters um, and that's just after sort of two weeks of being here. So wildlife friendly, very pretty, very natural. I just adore it. It's beautiful and I can do it at home. I can take that you can have a pond in a small space. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> Thank you. I think one of the other elements that I've tried to do as well is to bring in, I've kind of called them sort of add-ons, so really easy, simple things that can be bought or can be upcycled and made, um, things like sort of bird feeders, bird tables, log piles, and just sort of, yeah, just encouraging habitats. It would be fantastic for people to pop along just to gain just a little bit of inspiration and take away some ideas of, you know, how they can sort of look at their own little spaces. You know, it doesn't have to be a big, expensive overhaul. It can be very cheap, recycled, upcycled. We are located right next to the RHS hub and the plant crash. I'm Rachel Quinn from the Held Quinn Design Partnership and I'm a garden designer. My show garden this year is a mindful garden for a primary school setting. It's a rural haven to be in an urban setting and it's called the Mandala Mindfulness Garden. It's got a dramatic boundary of carbonised timber that's supposed to emanate a woodland setting and then within it there are seating areas for mindful sessions for the children and also permanent and temporary mandalas that the children can use to aid mindful concentration. Chatsworth itself is just in the most beautiful valley and there's so many things to see here in the show but also the setting is absolutely stunning. It really in itself it's like a mindful setting because you feel so far away from the daily pressures of city life and just come here and get away from all of that for a day and enjoy a bit of fresh air and some great show gardens and some great people. So that's just a taste of what's on offer at the 2019 RHS Chatsworth Flower Show. There's lots more information, photos and ticket details on our website and on the RHS social media. Find us at the underscore RHS or search hashtag RHS Chatsworth.
Another highlight is the varied programme of expert speakers in our talks theatre. Early visitors and podcast fans had an extra special treat as they were invited to take part in a live recording of a RHS gardening podcast advice clinic. Martin Fish introduced a panel of horticultural experts to tackle thorny questions from a garden-loving audience. So let's join them on stage now to hear some of the problems they discussed. Hello and welcome to the RHS Flower Show. My name's Martin Fish. I'm a professional gardener, a writer, a broadcaster, and I also judge at all the RHS shows. And I'd like to welcome you to the show. We're actually in the Dig In Live Theatre at the moment. We've got a fantastic view across the show to Chatsworth House. Absolutely amazing. And of course, it's the home of the Duke and Duchess of Devonshire. Joining me to answer all your gardening questions on the stage, we have Helen Bainbridge here. Helen is a former exhibitor. She's an RHS judge and panel member. And we've got John Wheatley, who's a very experienced horticulturist. He's also an exhibitor and RHS council member, so a very important person. So would you please welcome the panel onto the stage? <laughs> so who's got the first question for us today? Lady just here. So if you could remind us of your name and where you come from. Uh, Jan from uh, Cardiff, uh, woodlice, friend or foe? Oh, good one. Woodlice, friend or foe? Helen. Well, they, they, they eat um, all the sort of decaying material, so they won't damage plants, young, you know, green, lush plants. It's mainly, you know, rotten wood that they like to, to start to break down, so I wouldn't worry about them too much. So you think they're a friend? John, are you I agreeing don't ever with worry that? About oh, them. Definitely a friend. Definitely a friend. They clean up, all, as, as Helen's just said, they clean up a lot of um, dead and dying material. They can be a problem in, in a major infestation, but I find they don't like the damp. So if they get to be too much and you've got big voids in the soil, you either repot your plant, yeah? Same with ants, really. And you repot your plant and you keep it reasonably moist. They don't like a lot of water. Okay, so by breaking down all that material, they're helping to recycle in the garden, basically, aren't they? We're, we're totally committed nowadays to more organic ways of developing gardens. We've got to do something about the chemical build-up of things like DDT and things like that. Okay, there you go. So look after the wood lice. Right, we've another lady here with a question. Hi, it's Sarah from Topcliffe, North Yorkshire. Roses, terrible, terrible trouble with aphids this year. Are there any ways of treating them organically without using a chemical spray okay now sarah's in north yorkshire and this i don't know whether this has happened across the country this year but certainly in north yorkshire there has been masses and masses of aphids i live about two miles from your village uh, and helen lives further north in north yorkshire and we've almost had a plague of them so yeah. uh, about what three or four weeks ago it was as if they just lifted from the hedgerows and swarmed and people were talking about it in the streets and in the towns it was ridiculous you couldn't walk without getting get them in your face and, and oh they're horrible um you can use organic sprays like um, sb plant invigorator is good it's a plant feed it boosts them and it will get rid of pests like green fly especially if you don't let them get infested and you can squash them as well if they're not too bad. Yeah, I tend to brush mine off as well. I've got bee brush and brush them off. Yeah, yeah. But where would I buy SB um, It's available in all the garden centres. Okay. Um, you can get it online. 
but it's it's really good. You need to spray it quite often, though. You know, once a week, once every other week. Would that keep on top of it? Treat rust as well. Um, I don't know. It does mildew. I'm not sure that it would okay. do rust. It I probably would tell you on it. With, I think the, pro, the the idea is, doesn't it sort of build up the plant's resistance? That's yeah, the idea, because yeah. it's got sort of nutrients in there as yeah. well. I mean, that's it. a well-fed plant will be more resistant yeah. um, to these things as well. John, any, any tips well, uh, on getting I, rid of aphids without well, reverting well, to chemicals? One of the ways we do it, quite frankly, is a very light power wash, would you believe? Yeah, stand back. If you've got a power washer, yeah, stand back and blast it with water, but obviously don't put it too close so that you won't have any leaves left. <laughs> but it will, water pressure can work. It's far easier to control, say, black fly where they all colonise as opposed to the more sort of solitary green fly which move all around the plant. But yes, I think that's what I would say, but there have been some, it's been one of the oddest of seasons. I don't know if you've found it as gardeners, been a real challenging season and what we've suffered from down in the west country are beetles coming off the oilseed rape and it's been absolutely massive and we use power washers from a distance about from me to this lady down in the front and, and sort of swoosh it but not on not on the beautiful flowers no. like these fantastic lupins you're looking at exactly yes and i suppose if you haven't got a power wash you're just putting your thumb over the hose pipe or give them a bit of a bit of a blast off wouldn't it that would they it, they wouldn't bounce back that quickly right okay uh got a gentleman here with a question it's graham clark and i'm from leeds uh my question is regarding watering and is it safe to use gray waste long term in a garden Okay, that's a good question because we're all trying to conserve water. We're getting, you know, drier summers, so we don't want to be using water from reservoirs. So, grey water, can we use it long term in the garden? John? I would have said definitely yes. I feel the future problems in this world are going to be about water. I really do. And I think you've only got to look at Africa and some of the projects, and I do work in Mexico, and the conservation of water is quite important. This whole issue is so important to the environment. So use it, sir. Uh, if you get a problem with it, just notify it and come back. But I can't see any real problem with it at all. Hello, I'm Joe from Dorleydale, so I'm quite local. Now, I've planted a potato, just one potato, in a pot for competition purposes. What can I feed it with to give me the edge? So is this one of these competitions where you grow a potato in a pot and then they knock them out and weigh them? And it's the heaviest weight of potatoes wins. Okay, let's help you win that prize in Darleydale. So, tips on feeding potatoes in pots. Well, I, I just use a balanced feed on mine, and I feed them probably once a week. I mean, they are quite greedy feeders, a good compost to start with as well. And for exhibition, something quite peaty and soft, not nothing with grit in it, because it does mark the tubers. Um, so, yeah, lots of liquid feed once a week with a, a balanced feed. So or the, the NPK number on the packet needs to be all the same. Okay, John? What I think the most important thing with the potato, and there's potatoes over there, aren't there? I think they're yours, Martin. They are, yes, yes. So I always start my potatoes off, and we've got a lot um, we've done this year. And I start them off by chitting them, yeah? And then I build it up, and I put the, they go into five different pots, and you come up the stem, because they're stem tubers, and the longer you can get that stem tuber building, the better and probably feed it with a bit of base fertilizer in the pot, but also liquid feed and liquid feed. 
Potatoes make the biggest tubers when they come to flower. Now, my father-in-law used to grow chip potatoes field scale, and he'd always use a cultivar that would flower reasonably early and water and feed it the whole field as just as they come into flower because they will bulk up in twice the size. This is good advice for all potato growers to actually make sure that you always water and feed as soon as they come into flower because they'll bulk up twice as much. And that's the best tip I can give you. And, and the advantage, of course, of liquid feeding is you're watering at the same time because it's, again, when the tubers are developing, when the flowers start, if they dry out, that really checks the growth. You need that constant supply yeah, of moisture. Yeah, keep, them, so keep them moist. We hope you're not going to pass these tips on to your fellow potato growers. I've absolutely got to win because I was the speaker on the day that this competition was launched, so I've got to win. <laughs> serious. Oh, absolutely. And when is the big weigh-in? The end of July, so I've got quite a long time. When did you put the potato in? March. Oh, so, and what, um, do you know the variety, is it? No, it was, they were just given to us. Mm. Mm. Well, that's normal for competitions. But I just remember what I said. Take, pot it into a bigger pot when you get it home. And don't be scared about... Don't be, or is it in the ground? It's got to be in the pot that was given to us with the Oh, the I potatoes. see. Oh, yes. Well, I've got a little, I could, yeah, is well, the pot, there is a way of dealing with that. Is the pot, <laughs> yeah, is the pot full of compost right now? Have you got it, it is, the but I've put a newspaper collar around the top to make it deeper. We do a similar thing in our this, village thanks. gardening competition, which is August, and we give them a potato. This year they've been given, I think it's Marfona, and that we give them a pot, a 10-litre pot, like the size John's got there and from that size pot basically two gallon bucket size the heaviest weight we got from one of our winners who fortunately is away on holiday this year so he can't take part was just over nine pounds in weight so you, you can get a lot with plenty of water and plenty of feed John what you could do is something like this you see this lovely bin here yeah take the lettuce out stick the potato pot in there with some soil and really you get a bigger root run so you, won't you wouldn't get be cheating. That's just not using cheating, them. and then just <laughs> yeah. take it out. Okay, so what we're all doing at the end of July, are we all going to go and cheer this lady and support her? Yes, absolutely. Brilliant. Good. Good luck with that. Right, okay. Uh, I'm looking for another question. Uh, lady just there. Yes, I'm, I'm Deb. I live in Corbeck in Cumbria. Um, we have a dwarf rhododendron. It's probably about... 25, 30 years old, and up until this year, it was flowering profusely, and I've just had very little flower on it, plenty of foliage, but the, no, no flowers. Okay, so we want to try and get this back, this rhododendron back into flower, so is it just having a year off, or do you think there's something wrong? Most of Cumbria, you see, you can grow rhododendrons really well. My daughter lives up there, and she's got rhodos growing because it's quite acid. It was quite hot last summer, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes it was. Now try and remember yes. this if you're growing rhodos, camellias and azaleas. Obviously don't water them with limey water, but the water up there is slightly acid anyway. Always irrigate, and this takes me back, I trained at Wisley um, in the late 60s. That's and, the 1860s. Um, the 1860s, thank you, Martin. <laughs> Wisley has still got a great school of horticulture and part of the RHS mission is to promote careers in horticulture and I'm a product of it. But what is really interesting is, is that water your rhodos and camellias after flowering. And I suspect that's what happened. There's been a lot of this this year 
where they dried out and they didn't produce enough bud because they produce those initial buds for next year in June, July and August. Okay, so I would imagine even though it's not flowering this year, it's going to build its strength up and as long as it gets the moisture in late summer next year, will be absolutely fantastic. You could be entering it into next year's Chatsworth Flower Show. <laughs> and, and by putting the mulch down, sorry, that will, that will keep the moisture in as well. So really good drench and then put the, put the mulch on quite okay. deep around the root ball, around good the tips plant. there. Stephen Rowlich from Newark. Um, sweet potatoes, are they worth growing or not? Because I've never had any success at all. Good question, yes, because you, you see them offered, don't you, in the seed catalogues as the slips in the spring. Helen, have you, you grown any? You grow a lot of vegetables. Yeah, I did try um, two new varieties, not last year, it was the year before. I was given two to trial. One was Benita. I'm just trying to think of the name of the other one, but you can't remember at the minute. But they were supposed to do well in the northern hemisphere, you know, and fruit, you know, produce plenty of tubers. They produce masses and masses of growth. They're in great big tubs, big, like tree containers. And they took loads and loads of water, masses of foliage. Took them out uh, in October, which is when I was advised to take them out and have a look to see what was there. One or two were sort of decent size, peelable, but lots of them were sort of like twisted fingers and we ended up just scrubbing them and chipping them. Lovely, but not, from my you know, opinion, they're not worth growing. I mean, mine were outside. I've been told that they need to be grown in a polytunnel, but you need a, a big polytunnel with lots of room, really, to get results because they just need that high heat and, and light intensity to get them to, to do anything, really. I have seen some grown down near Southampton where the yields are as big as anywhere else in the world, but it needs very specialist. It comes back to this whole issue about plants. You've got to choose the plant and create the conditions it gets naturally. You'll only do that in a polytunnel, but I do foresee a whole new range of crops being grown in the United Kingdom in the future, and that's going to be one of them. Um, I'm Heather Barlow from Devon, and I've got three avocado bushes growing in my greenhouse which started off in my compost heap will I ever get avocados from them <laughs> okay and you're down in Devon so you're fairly mild I suppose anyway so will these avocados produce fruit because well the most beautiful county in the world other than Derbyshire and Yorkshire and Somerset um, you can tell by my accent that I come from the golden southwest as this lady does and um, the answer is probably not um, not within my lifetime, and <laughs> you're a lot younger than me. Um, most avocados are grown in South Africa, and a company that I've just finished consultancy for are probably the biggest producer of avocados in the world. And um, they are looking at growing them, should we say, more north, in more north situations. Incredible plants. I think they will be grown under polythene here in the not too distant future. Right, and I think we've got time for one more question. Just before we have that, if you had to pick a highlight for these people to go and have a look as your recommendation, what would it be, Helen? Where would you send the audience to look well, at? I, I would send them to see Bluebell Arboretum. So that was our best in show when we were judging yesterday. And it is stunning. There's two superb corners on there, which are just to die for. I'd love them in my garden. Go and have a look at that. Okay, thank you. And John, other than your exhibit, of course, which got mm. gold. I wasn't going to say that, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's such a wonderful range of exhibits here. And I'd encourage you to go and look at the 
the plant arcade over there. The range of plants, there's some water plants and a fantastic range of herbaceous plants. Uh, it's a magnificent show and, and the most important thing is to support it uh, because the surroundings are fantastic. I, I, I have to pinch myself. The high spot for me is a flower show with that location and that backdrop yeah. behind we're, it. We're looking at that amazing view. It, now the sun's yeah. come out, it's stunning. Yes, we're looking at Chatsworth House there with the sun shining on a beautiful gold windows. Uh, and then the woodland behind is amazing. So I think mine would be to say, yes, I agree, the floor marquee, the gardens, the plants are absolutely amazing. But the great thing about a show like this is that you can get absolutely everything you want for your garden from plant pots to greenhouses to sheds to whatever you need. It's all here. So there are some fantastic sundries as well. So it's a one-stop shopping gardening experience. Last question goes to this lady just here. I'm Patricia from Paynton in Devon. Um, at this year, I saved my seeds for my tomato, but they've got all dried up, curled up leaves that look well. Is that because I saved seed or...? Not necessarily. What you've probably got is an F2 tomato, and that's the second generation cross. Um, it won't be the same as what you had last year, and we just launched a new Sutton's one and a Burpees one um, called Honeydew, and that's actually bred in India, and that has to be F1 crossed every year. I suspect this is something to do with perhaps the compost you've put it in. Um, you'd normally be very, very successful uh, with any tomato seeds you save. Uh, the best tomato seeds, so I can tell you a lovely story. When I was first involved as a young technical assistant in Bath, yeah, we landscaped a railway line and we used sewerage sludge from Saltford sewerage work. And people now, 50 years after, say, John, you created the best red river of tomatoes we've ever seen. Now that tells you something. For effective, ger the most effective germination of tomatoes is got to go through the gut of either a human or an animal. So that's an interesting story to finish and with. Good, absolutely true. Absolutely. So yes. So good luck with your tomatoes. Good luck with everything you've talked about. Thank you for all the questions. We've had a really good selection range of questions there. Hope you enjoy the rest of the day at Chatsworth. Take it all in. Enjoy being in the Derbyshire Dales. On behalf of John, Helen and myself, thank you for being here. And thank you to everybody and enjoy the show. That was Martin Fish hosting a special live recording of the RHS Gardening Podcast at the 2019 RHS Chatsworth Flower Show. As we mentioned earlier, the show runs until Sunday the 9th of June. There's so much to enjoy and to inspire. So if you haven't already, why not come and join us? You can book your tickets at rhs.org.uk forward slash Chatsworth. Well, that's all we've got time for from Derbyshire today. We'll be back on our usual turf in a fortnight. Until then, from me, Catherine Potsides and all of us at the show, goodbye. Introducing Barker and Stonehouse Garden Furniture. Find inspiration for your outdoor space with our stylish collections of garden furniture and accessories, now with up to 25% off. Visit one of our 11 nationwide stores or find us online at barkerandstonehouse.co.uk.
I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Crest robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step, and you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer, or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.